space. Walter makes a run ahead of it. Burkamp suddenly changed pace through the centre. It's Burkamp! That's magnificent! The move, and then this, which left Dabby's ass totally stranded. Hello, and welcome to Birdcamp Wonderland. We are an Arsenal podcast. Dramatic pause as usual. My name is Chris, I am your host, and good evening to everyone, whether you'll be live or whether you'll be in delay. We are here to, uh, you know, have a little kickabout with the lads. All right, Ivan? Have a good week, mate. Uh, yes, I'm joined by Mr. Josh, the human 23. He's better known as Josh Daw, but I thought I'd read his, his Twitter time. His Twitter timeline? No, that would, that would take forever. His Twitter, uh, what's that thing called, Josh? Handle. Bio? Handle, that's it. Handle, like the moustache. There we go. How the devil are you, sir? Uh, I am all right, thank you. Um, we have left our ABW morning phase and we are, we are now back, back podcasting. Um, it's unrelated well, it's the to the football being back. Yeah, true. It's the evening, not morning, that, so. that is also true. But yes, uh, we are back. Football is back, and now it's gone again. Um, cruelly snatched away from us. Um, maybe it's because we played a fifteen-year-old and they cancelled football. <laughs> yes, yes. We're, we'll we'll come on to that. Uh, I'm sure. Uh, and also um, stepping in at, at last minute notice because uh, John has some family stuff to deal with. So. Uh, all is well, John. Uh, Danny, Danny, you are here. You, you you still live in the basement of ABW, uh, turning that hamster wheel to keep the lights on. Uh, how does it feel to be called up to the main roster, uh, but you're very much not a 15-year-old? My, my candle's been burning bright for the last uh, two weeks, and uh, yeah, we can all hope and pray that uh, Easter gets here soon. Is it Easter next? Which one of, which one of the birthdays is next? I never remember. Yeah, uh, I'm good. I'm glad you you're glad you practice your intro. That was always uh, smooth and sweet, much like yourself. How are you? <laughs> naturally, naturally, I'm I'm all right. I'm a, I'm a little bit well. I think the phrase is pissed off at the moment because I have a very very bad hip, and it is preventing me from uh, from clogging more miles up on the wonderful concrete Happy streets hipsters. of Plymouth. So yeah, I'm a little bit cheesed off. I had a very miserable run yesterday, but um, hopefully it will sort itself out. If not, I'll chop the fucker off. So, as the uh, demonetization sorted for the week. Anywho, let's uh, jump in then. So, as probably everybody will know in the chat, um, and indeed who's listened to this in delay, it's been a while since we've done a podcast. Obviously, we didn't do one last week because things. We, we won't be going into those tonight because it, it divides opinion, you know. So, we'll just leave the, that stuff over there. We'll talk about the football here. But... Um, it does feel like a while ago since we since we beat Brentford by three goals to nil. Josh, I shall start with you. Um, and the first question I'm going to ask you is not about a player, not about a performance. It's, it's a general question. And it is simply thus. How far do you think this team can go? What are our expectation levels right now? Because I keep hearing people going, oh, maybe we're a bit better than we thought we were. Uh, well, I suppose I've got to take it from rather than any um, irreparable sources um, and people can define where we draw that line of whether or not a source is reputable or not on their thoughts in football. I'm going to go with the manager that we just beat 3-0. 
and Thomas Frank, he, I thought he was possibly talking us up a bit more than I would have thought. So perhaps we need to recalibrate. But he said that we were up there with Man City in terms of teams that we played and or they they've played and we completely nullified them in that game. So perhaps there's something in that. Um, I can't see why a manager that we've just smashed, you know, completely tactically dominated, um, albeit, you know, the scoreline wasn't necessarily as large as some teams have put past, um, you know, in the early parts of the season. We can say the scoreline was, um, you know, flattering or unflattering for us. But for a manager to say that about us, there is a bit of a... it's interesting, especially as I think everybody involved in the Arsenal fan base would say that wasn't even close to our strongest eleven um, in terms of arguably two key players out. I suppose it shows um, how transformative um, clearing out the wankers is. And um, Gabriel Jesus turning up at the club. I think obviously... You've got to give some to some credit as well to the other signings that have come in. But there seems to be um, greater solidarity around uh, the mentality at the club. And I think that's one thing that Arteta has already spoken about. Even when he joined the club, we heard him say that about Kieran Tierney, that he was the guy that you'd want to... Yeah, he was the poster boy for how to be in training. And everybody who has joined since then, you can go back and see um, historically about coaches talking about X signing that we've made, how they are in training and how good they are. Uh, Ben White is another one. You can find countless articles on he plays training like it's the actual game with that kind of maturity. And I think um, contrary to what a lot of... um, I don't want to say the glass half full brigade um, because I don't think their glass is even that full. I think it's um, smashed on the ground and full of piss um, brigade. Weren't that hot on us with the uh, all or nothing documentary. I Some of us who may have actually watched them beforehand knew that, yeah, it may have the um, rose tinted PR goggles associated to it. But I don't think we can underestimate how it's brought everybody closer to what's happening in the squad. You know, despite everything we watched was from 12, 15 months ago. And some of those decisions we didn't agree with at the time and probably still don't agree with them. They're still seeing a little bit of that daylight of the magic that is that kind of black box of what happens at Arsenal. I think that helps even seeing there'll be people that I think I said on the last podcast will take the take the piss out of some of the things we saw from Mikel Arteta in terms of his um, should we say rousing speeches. You've just got to remember that we are watching a 30 second snippet of a 15 minute halftime team talk that he's not just going all right boys gives him a slap on the ass go out there and win the game. There's a bit more to it. Uh, I'm almost certain that yeah, there's going to be more than just the ten, the you know, short snippets we're seeing to a halftime team talk. So I think that's kind of helped. That seeing that kind of emotion, seeing that the players cared as well, 
a bit more than we would have seen with just the well shot YouTube training videos and the, um, yeah, especially from yesteryear when we've had, and we could name, pick a player that we've got rid of in the last three seasons. And you'd always see them having fun in training, but you wouldn't necessarily see, um, yeah, you just go, oh, look, the squad's really happy. They're in training. But now we know what a squad should be looking like when they're happy, performing well, but also they're getting stuck in. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, to actually answer your question rather than carpenter it, <laughs> our expectations, I'm waiting to see what our opposition managers are saying when we beat them, to be honest, because they're the people that they know what they're talking about at that point. Um and whether or not Thomas Frank is trying to line himself up for a move when uh, Mikel eventually probably moves on, who knows? But I think there's, um, yeah, there's some, yeah, we've had a decent run so far and I'm sure we could go back into the fixtures and I would say, you know what, maybe we did struggle against a promoted side, but we got a, we got a win against them or, yeah, a lower league type side from last season we still got a win against them there were other teams who should be and were being talked up and possibly even in the betting odds easily shorter odds than us to be competing with the um, Erling Haaland machine uh, that is Manchester City for the title but you know one of them's already sat in a manager and the other one is struggling to get, um, well, lucky to get a draw against Fulham. Should we put it that way? And you, everybody can work out which team I'm talking about for that one. Um, so, yeah, I think I'm still keeping my expectations a little bit tempered. Um, we've got an October uh, is going to be toit, mm. to say the least. And you mentioned the name of Mikel Arteta's forthcoming autobiography there. Clearing out the wankers will be available in all good water stores <laughs> for you uh, next summer. Um, Danny, you're you're a little bit like me in that you're kind of well. Let's just put it like it is. We're, we're kind of old, you know. We are. It's just facts. We are one of the or two of the older members of this parish now. Um, you much older than me, naturally. But uh, you couldn't just leave it, could you? No, couldn't <laughs> just leave it there. Uh, but what we've what we have said for a long time is we. We just want to actually enjoy our football, don't we? We want to watch an Arsenal that is fun to watch, that's enjoyable to watch, that gets us off our seat, and just have that little bit of belief. You know, it's the hope that kills and all that. The one thing I think, like Josh has touched on there, and in this performance again uh, against Brentford, is that we we are enjoyable, aren't we? We're a likable bunch. There's a lot of likable players. You know that the, the, the the fans are, for now, united with the squad. I think Loki made the point earlier on in the chat so a short time ago. He said we're only sort of two defeats off an actual meltdown. I'm convinced some people are, are literally a, a concession of a goal away from a meltdown if you if you follow along on Twitter, which I still can't understand. On side, side rant very quickly, but I genuinely don't understand how these people who instantly tweet about everything throughout the game, I don't get how, how they even watch the game. Like, it blows my mind, you know? Anyway, that's a side rant. But for you, Danny, you know, is this is this side starting to get back up there with the sides that you enjoyed watching in the good old days, quote-unquote? 
Well, there was there's three for me, three good old days: the beginning of the George Graham years, the beginning of the Ars and Banger years, and then the Invincible years, which uh, which is I don't think anyone's ever going to do again. And all three of those are exciting, but for different reasons. And out of that lot, I kind of have the parallel with this season would be the, the the beginning of the George Graham era because we've got all the young men coming through. And we've already seen the evolution of, of Saka going from he's the only player on a pitch that's actually going to do stuff for us and scoring goals to now he's being the one that is setting up and getting assists and, and setting up other people to do stuff. And so that the whole thing and then the way that it was always going to be whether you are going to go for Arteta's um, his ways of constantly, every every second he gets shouting at you what to do, do this, do that, go here, go there, all hold hands, all do the can-can, all, uh, all um, do all these other kind of things, that these group things. Personally, I wouldn't, I couldn't cope with that like a bummy and I'd be straight out of there. I mean, if I wasn't an Arsenal fan, I would do, wouldn't be. But to do, that was either going to be a, a complete car crash, like um, like at the bin dippers where Brendan Rodgers had those envelopes and he said, well, who's going to be the one that's, who's going to let me down? It's going to be one of these envelopes. And we we see we all saw that the bin dippers ended up being an absolute nightmare and it looks like they're having a terrible season already. They're, they're falling apart, which is nice to see. Um and it was either going to be everyone's going to be on board with Arteta or everyone's going to fall out of him and go, what is this, this new age nonsense? Why are you drawing silly faces on a whiteboard? Why is everyone singing Kumbaya before the game starts and all these things? And it seems the ones that aren't, aren't going to um, join the cult of Arteta have gone. And all the ones that are going, yeah, I like this. I like where it's going. And then some of the players that he's brought in for an absolute bargain amount of time, um, amount of money, like uh, Vieira, I've never heard of him. And for him to come on, and we saw that he was he did quite well in the under-23s, as did Marquinhos. And he's bringing in his players that just fitting in superbly into the side, while other other teams all over the place, especially like the Bin Dippers, are going and spending an absolute fortune, breaking up their team, having players that have got no idea how to play Premier League football, getting sent off because someone gave them a little bit of a poke or something. And you can see teams falling apart. And meanwhile, all these other teams are falling apart from Man City, who are... Just unbelievable. We're not going to get into that because that doesn't make you angry. But you see all the other teams around. Spurs are up the top half of the table playing terrible football. I mean, how the hell they won that game 6-2 is... is I've got no idea. Because they were playing Leicester, that's why. Yeah. But it's, it's just great to see. And it's only going to get better. And people who know, who were on the Arteta, in the Arteta cult from the early days, are probably now going, I was justified to sell that lot, where you and me, we weren't. We couldn't see it. And But then I changed to, well, if he's going to do well, I'll back him. If he's doing bad, I'll moan about him. And now you're seeing everything's falling into place. But Loki was right with that that bit where he, um, he was saying that we're just two games away from a disaster. That part of being an, of the Arsenal fan base is never going to never gonna go away because you know certain people are making a living on the back of Arsenal being rubbish. And at the moment, they must be pulling their hair out and getting second jobs working on a market stall or something like that because they're not going to be making the money they were. Apart from a couple that have changed their tune and going, oh, no, I've always, I've always been behind the club. Oh, it's always been fantastic. No, we know who they are. We know who you are, you scumbags. But... It's just, I just love it. it. I look forward to the games. I like you, like Josh said at the beginning of the show. Uh, it's it, we're all away from football, and we're back, and we're all away again. Absolutely pointless. But a bloody what was what, this nonsense they're playing now? Nations League. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which I, you know, I get that they replace friendlies with it, but imagine putting a Nations League two games before a World Cup now when we've got this season. Like, 
what? Just yeah. put a pin in it for a year, you know? It's bloody mental. Money. Well, to be fair, you know there was going to be a round of friendlies that would have sat in at this point anyway. Oh, yeah. Because there yeah. always is two games yeah. that comes Commercial. in for pre... Well, it's the pre-World Cup stuff as well, isn't it? It's You yeah, can see from the fact that our three Brazilians haven't gone. And he's... Um, but, but what happened yeah. to the good old days of like, you know, like before Euro 96, do you remember they had like the Tournoir, didn't they? And where you had had like mm. some friendlies in what would be the off season. So, you know, why they couldn't just go, right, we'll play up to, you know, two weeks before the World Cup. Then you all go on training camps or then you all go, you, you know, that's when you play your friendlies. So to do an international break right now, I just, oh, I just don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um but anyway, let's let's go back to the game itself and then just pick out a couple of bits and bobs. Um, first goal was from uh, Big Willow, Josh. A nice little header. Do you know what reminded me a bit of... We seem to be doing a lot with this set-piece coach has come in and reinvented the wheel a little bit. But um, it reminded me, Danny will appreciate this, the old days of Steve Bold flicking on at the near post for Tony Adams coming in around the back. It's kind of a bit like that. The difference is, is that Saliba got on the end of this corner and, and headed it over the goalkeeper and into the, the far post. I think Jesus was coming in a, in on it as well. Although I don't know, he might have been offside, but good header. He was rewarded with a full France call-up, which is lovely. Um, and there's, there is some some discussion that this, this contract may not be far off to secure his future. And uh, he was speaking in... In, in France in the last 24 hours saying that he feels very happy in London, very settled and he really feels like he's part of the club fully now, which is great to hear. Do you um, do you feel like he, he is now, you know, not at a stage where he's undroppable because anyone can go through a, a bad patch of form, of course, but do you feel like he, he is starting to become a cornerstone of this defence and in partnership with Gabriel, who I think has gone underneath the radar quite a lot this season. I think he's been very good. Oh, I don't know if we agree on Gabriel being very good. Um, no, I don't know. I think he's but, been pretty good. Yeah, uh, I think maybe having um, two very cool and calm, collected centre-backs uh, alongside Gabriel shows how um, less cool, calm and collected he can be. But sometimes I think it's the politest way of saying, because I don't want to say he's erratic, because he's not. But you know what I mean. He's got, uh, He's less round, he's less assured, I would say. Uh, than Saliba and uh, Ben White. But in terms of on Saliba with that header, yeah, I kind of agree coming back to almost the um, Koscielny per Mertesacker era of corners. Remember having Per at the front post. Uh, he was being there for the flick on and uh, it, was, it was coming. I don't necessarily think it was the goal that um, I expected us to score. Not necessarily from the goal scorer either. Uh, there were definitely chances for us, but it was a great way to get the game underway because you could see that I think even of yesteryear, we would have had that kind of period of dominance. It still would have been nil-nil and then we end up conceding a sloppy goal and our heads go. We're, this seems the difference with this season is we're able to convert those chances. Now, whether or not that's because... I think there's a little bit more confidence in the side that if you miss a chance this season, there'll be another chance. Whereas I think in previous seasons, we were talking about Saka. Um, he'd only really get two or three chances in a game. 
And yeah, he'd probably convert one of them, but he'd snatch at the other two. You could see the same from Smith Rowe. He'd snatch at chances, knowing that actually we don't necessarily create enough because of uh, issues around the field. Um, obviously, I think the changing in our formation has helped. I think Odegaard pushing on as well has really helped us in terms of creating more chances. And again, we can spend probably... Uh, there needs to be a count, I think, Danny, for how many times someone mentions Gabriel Jesus on the podcast because it's going to be, I think, everybody's second point to everything is that there now seems to be a confidence around the rest of the team that they can try something. And if it doesn't come off, well, it's fine because Jesus will create a chance. He may even put one away. And I think we saw that in, that, uh, in the game that, yeah, just after the first goal, and we can go through the subsequent goals, that those are players that are trying things in some cases that they wouldn't necessarily try last season because they're going, no, I need the perfect chance. Whereas we're taking half chances now and converting them, or at least that's what I kind of see. And I think there's also luck on our side. Uh, yeah, Saliba looks to be, right now, you question how Tommy Arsu gets back in the side basically. And you would have said last season, oh my God, we can't be playing Ben White out at right back. One, because it screws us in the centre. And secondly, Tommy Asu is one of our you know, revelation of a player for us. And I think that's the real thing right now is perhaps this is something Arteta, Edu, so Richard Garlick and uh, Joshua kind of knew that when we picked up Tommy Asu, there was a reason why he wasn't necessarily... We didn't go after the kind of Hollywood right-back that would expect to start every game. And we picked someone a bit more humble, someone who would appreciate it. Almost not in the full El Nenny, I'm happy to sit on the bench uh, for most of the season, play 10 games and still pick up my international caps. But with the adaptability of Tomiyasu, it seems like um, it's all fit at the right time for Saliba to come in and mount um, you know, his stake his claim to playing at centre-back. And at the same time, there's so much pressure on him because, as you say, I've already named two other players that could be taking his place for centre-back and you not put a foot wrong. There'd be some managers who don't trust in youth who would have dropped him after his own goal, who would have dropped him after just one little mistake. But we've got that camaraderie as well as a squad now where if one of them makes a mistake, your mate's going to be there and clear it up for you. Um, I don't know if Mr. Liverpool fan is still in, um, still watching, um, but let's just say no one's clearing up for Van Dyke and no one's clearing up for uh, Trent Alexander-Arnold anymore, are they? Um, there what seems a to be a... grace. Yes. Um, it's amazing what happens when a horrific knee injury um yeah, comes out and a player sadly loses his time and place. But um, yeah, Chris, I've carpentered that one for you as well, <laughs> just on the first goal. I, did, I, I forgot I what the wonder, question I did, was. I did wonder where we were going to go at one point. I thought we were going to get a full match review then, but mm. um, no, no, some some very fair points. And one one does lead me on to that second goal, Danny, because like I say, we, we could probably be fairly brief in that we know Jesus is good. We know how much of a you know, revolutionary signing he's been and and God forbid if anything happens to him. But I don't think that goal got anywhere near as much praise as it should have done. That was a it was a really good header, I thought, to get the power, 
to get that sort of to, to it wasn't a looping header and it wasn't a power header. It was kind of a mixture of the two, perfectly placed, but over the goalkeeper and the the assist from from uh, Leo uh, Granite Jacker, sorry, uh, in in midfield, uh, the second coming of Jesus himself. All of a sudden, bless him. Uh, but no, really, really good assist from from Granite and just just a very intelligent, proper striker's finish, wasn't it, from from Jesus and. I don't know about you, but I kind of I never felt like Brentford were in the game once we got that second. Yeah, there's been a lot of uh, excuses coming around about why that was because everyone was in mourning because of the passing of the Queen and because of the time kickoff it was. And Wait, what? That, that, yeah, I know it's breaking news. <laughs> I hadn't heard it on the news. And then all of the um, all all the other big teams that are fighting for a top four position have gone there, and none of them have had much of a result, according to uh, AC Jimbo and that lot today when I was listening. But then you look at there's there's little partnerships going on all over the pitch. Who would have thought that there'd be a great partnership with with KT and Xhaka down the left hand side? Because my, I've still got my notes from the game from the game. Great build up play. Xhaka out to the left to KT. KT back to Xhaka, who who lobs it over the defence for Jesus to header it in. Now you're right with the the kind of header that he scored. It reminded me a little bit of the Olympic curling where they, they just have to slightly glance the other thing to knock it out of the way. He just got a bit of a head to it. He didn't have to power it. Didn't have to header it down. He didn't do an Urzel and trying to header it on into the floor and then back up again and then try and dismay the goalkeeper. I just thought that. No, I'll get a little touch on this and then it will go home. And the amount of difference it makes for the club, knowing that there's going to be someone there who is going to be able to mop up chances, whether he's going to be running through the entire defence to score a goal, whether he's going to be tapping them in, headwind them in, or laying off other people, is almost the complete player that, that we needed up front. Because we've had players like that in previous years who will score your goals like Sanchez, incredibly selfish incredibly undisciplined when it came to what position he was playing in. You'd often find him being going back to the goalkeeper and getting the ball off him and getting it off the defence and running up the whole length of the field. And remember how often we used to moan about um, Sanchez and how often he'd give the ball away or get the ball taken off him. It's we, we, We've bought something that Man City fans must be looking at and thinking, my God, that he would be a magnificent backup to Haaland. Because Haaland, anyone who has watched Dortmund or, or Bundesliga knows that Haaland is not, is not a 60-game uh, a season player. He's every season he's going to get one some injury or another, and when he does, who are they going to play up front? I know they, they had that other young Spaniard that they sold back to Barcelona. I think they've got um, uh, was it a Uruguayan or a Paraguayan that they've they've got in, or I think it was something Argentine. like that. Ah, oh, there you go. Yeah, and it was some somewhere in somewhere where, it, where it's warm. But that, this is the whole thing where you're seeing little individual places of of players playing well together, and Jacker is just he's the player. That now for Arsenal that he was at Mönchengladbach all those years ago and it's he must look back I mean when Arteta came to Arsenal he wasn't allowed to be the player that made him famous at PSG and and Rangers and and Everton he couldn't be that player and he was never that player so he 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 gave up his entire career because Avenger was incapable of buying a proper defensive midfielder and it, it's it's just nice to see that Art um, that Xhaka is doing that and what is he twenty nine now. He's too, if he plays like that, he's got another three or four years with us left in that position, which some people are going to like. Huh? Isn't he older than that? I may be completely wrong. I thought he was in his 30s now, 31. I'm going to have to oh. check that. I, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. We're all he does 29. Scrolling. 29. Yeah. He is 29. Okay. It's very, very, very rare that I'm ever wrong, as everyone knows. I'm the Oracle. <laughs> but uh, It's like he's been here um, since he was a kid. It's like he's made his debut yeah. as a 15-year-old or something. 
he is one of the he is he is the Arsenal cockroach, isn't he? That he will still be around forevermore. Um, and all jokes aside, you know, he, he's played very very well. And and it was it was it, it it has kind of gone full circle. It is nice to see the fans, you know, appreciating him. Um, you know, I, I I will always live in that camp of saying there will always be a better player that we could have in that position. Uh, I don't think that's unfair. Just think that is just that's how I feel. But you can't deny is you know he does have leadership qualities. He is certainly a lot better in that in that more advanced position because he's further away from our goal for a start. But he's showing he has that creative element. But with that disciplinary uh, or that with that um, discipline side where he will get back in and, and cover the space. And I think it's it's made Party a better player as well. So I mean, yeah, fair, fair play to the guy. He's he's having a great season. And I think another one, uh, another one for the ABW bingo for this season. Uh, all or nothing. <laughs> Did a huge. Mm. There was a big piece on him as well, and yeah. I think that helped restore um, back to the fans as well. Seeing the R take the blame as, bit. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's he, the he kind of. Well, yeah, he talks well. There's the bit with his family, so you can see that he is a human. Obviously, he's got a front door key as well. We all know that he is uh, the man who has the keys to the doors. Um, <laughs> even at, I think, even at 15, you know, he hadn't made his Premier League debut, but he had a front door key. Um, that was always his his big thing for Xhaka. But yeah, I think that's another thing that's helped reintegrate him to um, a wider part of the fan base. It's just seeing a bit more of his human side rather than a twat that red cards people gets a red card every other week. <laughs> yeah, that's always a bonus. Um, and, and talk to you about Fabio Vieira, Josh, because he got the third goal. Uh, it's nice to hear the song was back. You know, it comes from mm. Portugal, sounds a bit better than comes from Senegal for my money, but... Mm. Yeah, in in all fairness, he he's he was one of those signings I think that we made, and because he had that injury when he first came in, we didn't see him in preseason. He almost got mm. put in a draw a little bit, and and people people were he had either forgotten about him or they'd overhyped him, having never seen him other than on YouTube. I had mm. I'd seen him a bit at Porto last year, and I thought him and Vitinha were the two standouts of that team, and Vitinha went to PSG in the summer, so they were clearly the two outstanding talents. The, the thing I really like about him is his goal, by all means, you know, you can talk that up because it, it was a terrific strike. But what I really like about him is he's a head-up player he, and, he, and he's very much like Erdegaard in that he scans left, right and behind him before he receives every pass. Always seems to know exactly what he's going to do before the ball even reaches him. And for a guy who's you know, he's quite slight, he's he's got that sort of... Quite is an understatement. I yeah, he, he's very skinny, isn't he? Very, very wiry and Reminds me a little bit of when when Sask first first came through in that he just he he, he doesn't need physical strength because he's so mm. elusive and he moves his body in, in good positions. But he also strikes me as a guy who can stand up for himself a bit. There's a bit of Reyes in him, I think, you know, where, where he'll give a bit back. Mm. But his overall performance coming in for his debut, replacing Erdegaard is no easy feat given his form. And that goal was was a thing of beauty, albeit I think he caught David Ryer off off guard. But it, it's nice to see an Arsenal player hit a shot from distance, and it's always nice when it makes that noise mm. as it hits the net as well. Yeah, I think uh, to start with, I think the one thing I kind of enjoyed with that goal it was nice to see a player come from the Portuguese league and not get their wings clipped, in the sense of you would watch a compilation of players. I mean, um, was it Grimaldo in the Champions League only a few weeks ago? Again, the left back, at yeah. Benfica twats one in for 40 yards and he'll do it again this season. And he'll do it, he'll score another two of those this season. 
put him back in Spain at Barcelona, completely different player, not asked to do that. Um, going, what are you doing? You're turning possession over. But I think there's that kind of freedom that has been given to these kind of players. And I think that was the first thing that, as soon as he hit it and it went in, I was like, great. We have, you can tell just with that small, small moment in the game that Arteta's kind of keeping him raw in the sense of go out there. I'm not going to shape you too much. I'm going to tell you what to do. But at the same time, there's a reason why you weren't a £35 million move to Arsenal. Keep doing what you're doing. And that kind of level of trust. Um, and yeah, some of the passes, even when we saw you know the little 10-minute cameos. Was it against Zurich? We saw him? Yeah. Initially, it's those little cameos there just to... We knew there's something there. And I think there's still going to be um, a really great player in there. And it's almost a little bit of... Um, succession planning and maybe just a case of squad depth but having so many creative players there and seeing what Vieira can do I know it's one game in the league and perhaps I wouldn't put Brentford down there as the most physical team in the uh, in the league he's going to have sterner tests I think was certainly he certainly helped that Burnley aren't in the league this season let's put it this way um, but there's still obviously Everton to come up so there are He'll have sterner tests and we'll see a bit more from him. But yeah, right now, I think it's almost a bit like first season Ozil as well in terms of how slight he is. I imagine in a couple of, uh, maybe by the end of the season, he might have some definition in his arms. He'll, he'll, get, he'll go to the Eddie and Ketia gym over the summer and he'll come back <laughs> yeah. a, like a T-1000 for next season. I, I did enjoy... I, I was just going to say, I did enjoy Brentford being described as the B-Tech Stoke when they took like, <laughs> throw-ins towards the end. That, that quite, I quite enjoyed that, that uh, description. What were you going to say, Danny? Have you seen his record for the Portuguese under-21s? Mm. He's eight mm. games, seven goals, two assists, um, captain for the last three games, then got injured. Then their next game, they won 9-0. So if you'd have played in that, he probably got even more. Um, mm. But position-wise, I, I forgot to look at his position... Yeah, attacking midfield, the whole thing. His entire career for the under-21s, apart from a couple of games where he's played out wide, has been as an attacking midfielder. And if he's got an eye for goal like that, and but it does worry me how much like he looks like Teabag from um, from Prison Break. <laughs> it does worry me. And he, it, it's, a very, it's very rare now that you'll get a, a, an adult who has a, has a goatee, because yeah. as we all know, goatees are a thing of the past. And, yeah, uh, I don't know what yeah. you mean. No. Nor does Josh. Yeah. Anyway, um, speak, speaking of growing up, uh, where where do you? I'll ask you both this question, but I'll I'll start with you, Danny. And, and we're we're gonna we're not gonna carpenter this. We're just gonna give a brief a brief rundown. Where do you stand on on that substitution, Danny? The the debut of Ethan Nwaneri. Nwaneri. Ethan to his mates. Dave. Dave came on. Uh, yeah. Dave. Dave, Dave Nanwall. Uh, anyway, Nanwari, we'll go with that. He came on, he, he got his debut, youngest Arsenal player in history to debut at, at that particular age. I believe he's 15. He surpasses Sesk's record when he came on. Uh, game I was at, I'm sure it was Rotherham, Highbury for memory. He had a lovely mullet. It was. But um, wh- where do you stand? Because some some pundits, and I use that term loosely, 
some uneducated in the media have, have said it's a really bad thing and it you know it sets a precedent and I feel a little bit like it's it's kind of a bit of the fun police you know you you're um what's that dude called Josh that we can't stand who who seems to think he knows it all who old hairy hands no no the guy who likes cricket Please. on the on the other podcast oh James Wilson no no um oh it'll come to me it'll come to me anyway um, there's too many he, podcasters i hate as well it's very i think he i think he wrote <laughs> did he write that inverting the pyramid book was it is that jonathan wilson is that jonathan his name? wilson sorry not yeah. james wilson yeah he's a, yeah he's a striker yeah um but yeah um i i do feel like some people just they just want to watch the world burn and it's like well you know we, we have to be miserable about the fact that a, a player who's still in school we had to change in separate changing rooms because he's a minor and all of these things I, I i didn't take it like that at all i just looked at it and went he, he looks the part he's a big lad he's clearly ready i think it was a little bit maybe of arteta to sort of go <laughs> you're so shit we can put a 15 year old on there was a little bit of that i thought but, but where do you stand on it? Are you in that camp of if, if you're good enough, you're old enough? Or are you more in the camp of let's keep them in the under-21s until they're actually ready and bring them through then? Football manager. I used to do it all the time just to get games under their belt so that I could try and have a play with a thousand games. Never worked. Always ended up being rubbish. <laughs> it was a little bit moonwalky um, in front of the... Uh, uh, the, the the Brentford players and fans and the manager. Haha, <laughs> look at us. We we're playing children now. I didn't realise that he had to have his own dressing room because he's not an adult, he was underage. So that probably took a little bit off the um the, the celebration for him. I think he only touched the ball once, but I was looking at the player who had the record before him was Harvey Elliott, who was at Fulham, then quickly got snapped up by Liverpool and five years later he, he's only playing a handful of games here and there. So it's uh, I don't think it really matters. There are if, if you wanted to be critical, I would say there are other players who have worked their asses off at under 18, 21, 23, and uh, Johnson's Pate Trophy players that that would have been more deserving of someone of, of getting a game because so many young players will have spent their 10 years at Arsenal and then been on the bench a dozen times. And unless we play Olympiacos, they're never going to get a game for us. So it's, uh, but I don't care. It doesn't make any difference. It's just a, uh, it's just Arteta playing games again with people because it's taken the pressure off of the team being top of the league because they're all talking about this instead. <gasps> I nearly forgot to breathe. <laughs> That's a good point, actually. Um, Mr. Boblex asked what we were all doing at 15. Uh, all I'm going to say, Mr. Boblex, is um, I'm just going to say the words fuzzy screen and tissues, and I'm just going to leave it there. Uh, fuzzy belt. Fuzzy screen. <laughs> all ten right. Minute, ten minute preview. It was. Oh, right. I thought you, you know, were sticking fuzzy felt on yourself. If you know, you know. Um, Josh, where do you stand on it? I mean, you know, like, like Danny said, there that there is. We're not. We're not suggesting that we've we've got the new Messi coming straight, and you know, he's not going to walk straight to the first team. We know that he's going to be. Uh, yeah, he's, he's going to have some time to adjust, and the likelihood is realistically, the likelihood is realistically, the likelihood of, of his career is going to be that he will maybe get a few more bench appearances, then drift back into the reserves, and we might see him again in, I don't know, two to three years' time. Um, what, what's your sort of point of view? Does it does it help or hinder a player's development coming through at this age and being given that exposure nationally, so to speak? I think, to be honest, it depends on how good the player actually is. And I can't say that I've seen anything of him, um, probably for partly 
obvious reasons that not many of us will be watching the under 16s, under 18s, or even under 21s to have seen him play. Um, but from everything Arteta said, Per said he's ready as well. And I trust with everything that's happened with our youth department since Per Mertesack has come in, I trust everything that that man is doing, more or less, agree, with the yeah. club. Um, so if the kid is ready, he is ready. And I don't know. I don't want to necessarily go off, but I think it needs to be said in terms of if the outlets that are um, being controversial on one side are going to be controversial on the other side. And I don't think it is necessarily controversial, but there's something not quite right with the outcome, the um, criticism here. We didn't see this for young white players. When young white players are gone there, when we go through the list of ages and list of players who have hit there, we didn't hear it for Matthew Briggs and we didn't hear it for Harvey Elliott. We didn't hear it for Cesc Fabregas. James Milner made his debut at 16 for Villa. Um, didn't hear it for Wayne Rooney. In fact, when Wayne Rooney came on what against Arsenal and scored twice on his debut, no one said, don't forget the name David Moyes. They said, don't forget the name Wayne Rooney. It should be mm. all about celebrating the player. There was a kid, English as well, could represent England. It could be our next generational talent who's starting at 15 or coming on at 15 in the Premier League. And the first thing we're doing is jumping down the throat going, you don't deserve to be there. I mean, what the fuck, guys? Seriously. Yeah. Uh, Harvey Elliott, I know he's only made a handful of appearances for Liverpool, but I should put into that. He had an awful leg break at Blackburn. Awful. And that threw his progress right off. But this doesn't seem... It doesn't, something doesn't seem right about the way that, yeah, I don't mind them going at us for you know, celebrating against, you know, oh, you've got to win that, you know, against a lower league side and lower division side and you're celebrating that. Yeah, I don't mind the celebration police, but you're attacking a 15-year-old. Mm. Like, what the fuck, guys? Yeah. It just doesn't seem... Would that happen at another right. club, though, if it was the same player at another club? Or is it just because it's ours? I think, I think the other point that I make would depend on the reaction, to be honest. And I think there is a point. You can see it with Graham Souness and his reactions to Paul Pogba and Marcus Rashford. Those kind of things. You know there is a certain... I think this is a simple way to put it, rather than trying to beat around the bush, is that certain black players get a rough deal from the media for reasons that can only seem to be because of the colour of their skin. And to me, it seems like if we get, say, another um, Liverpool go and play and put a white player out who's 15, who comes in at that same kind of level, we get the same outpour. Maybe some might say, oh, it's Liverpool and they've got a bit more backing in there. But if he's white, we're going to see the same thing. No. The manager could be lauded. It's going to be lauded for having a player coming through the academy system. You know, it could be the next big thing for England. That's the stuff that we should be talking about. And people going through and going, you know what, we're going to look more back at the academy and start seeing what this kid was doing to deserve that place on the bench. 
because I don't think it was tokenistic that he ended up on that pitch. Um, I know we've seen Matt Smith on the bench plenty of times and wondering whether he's ever going to get a game. Um, And maybe he is a bit more deserving because he's four years older or so. But to be honest, as we've always said, we don't care how old a player is. If they're good enough, they should be in our first team. And I think it could be a case with this guy here. And maybe we see him in a Europa League home game. You know, we've got in the middle of October, I keep mentioning how many big games we've got coming off. Mm. We've got some, um, we've got opportunities for young players, especially in a team that is playing so well. I think that's one thing we talk about the success of Cesc Fabregas. Let's look at the team that he came into. Look how great that foundation was. And we've got, we're getting close to that. Maybe we're not as successful. Well, actually, there's no maybe about it. We're not as successful as that team that Cesc came into, but we've at least got a decent, solid foundation. Everybody's looking after each other. That's exactly what we want if we want to be bringing players through the academy. And maybe it's, if anything, it's two fingers up to the players that have been taken out from, uh, you know, we lost a couple of academy players this summer who thought maybe they wouldn't get opportunities in the first team. Yeah. But hey, it shows that we've we've got this plan of bringing players through and maybe it's telling me I need to watch the Hale End documentary on YouTube because I'll probably see a glimpse of this kid. I think he's briefly in it. Somebody was saying... Uh, I've uh, never heard of him. Um, I've, I, got, I I've got a list. No, I freely admit, I, I did chuckle at the amount of people who miraculously had been tracking his progress for the last four years online. That always makes me chuckle uh, when you see that. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen him. I, I saw him in the playgrounds at Hackney Marsh. No, no, you didn't. Just You just didn't. Don't, don't lie. Like, just don't don't lie. Um, but yeah, but, but there are some players that, that people do see at very young ages and they, they, they come through. I, I personally, I, I'm kind of on the fence with it. I've got absolutely no issue with the manager blooding young players. And I, I quite like seeing young players in and around the squad. Coming on in a game such as that with like two minutes to go, where you know the game is won, I don't think it does anybody any harm at all. I love the fact that the players, Martinelli and Jacker in particular, were were sort of pushing him to the fans, and, and he, he looked like a very humble lad. Um, that's the sort of thing that he, he will never forget that moment. Uh, and if you said to me, you can pull on an Arsenal shirt to literally run, on, run from one side of the pitch to the other at, at 15, I'd bite your hand off, even if I never played again. And there are many, you could send us a list, Daddy, of, of the ones who came through the academy and, and never went anywhere, and their careers ended at God knows where. I, I was chuckling at, uh, I was watching a brief bit of Middlesbrough against Rotherham the other night, looking at the um, the boy on loan there. Um, what's his name? Uh, Col- oh, what's the double barrel? You know the guy. I mean, don't you, don't you, Josh? Uh, or will what's his name? Oh, I'm getting Norton older. Cuffey. Norton Cuffey, that's the one. And interestingly, they're sort of playing him not just as a right back, but more of a in front of the back four. And I tuned in to, to watch just a bit of him when I was bored with the night. And I noticed that good old Cohen Bramwell is uh, has pitched <laughs> up at Rotherham at left back. And he was one that we took a massive gamble on, albeit he was a bit older. I don't, I don't think there's any harm in doing it. Um, I, I would say that there is an argument to say that that's what the under-18s is for. That's what the under-21s is for. But I remember playing Sunday league football and getting my quote-unquote debut in adult football at 14. And I got smashed up in the air by some <laughs> builder named Phil, like the entire game. 
Um, he was fucking terrible, by the way. I skinned him every time. That's when I was young and fit and agile. But you know what I mean? It, it gave me that, Christ, this is quite a lot different to to youth level football and it does it does blood you and it does make you realize what you have to do and sets out that sort of journey that you're on so if, if they are good enough then they absolutely should play the the only thing i would be a bit conscious of is you have to protect the player at that age you have to be really careful with how you manage their the you know the hype around them and you have to be careful that you don't set them up for a fall in that they don't have the in fact loki's just put exactly the player i was thinking of the Jermaine Pennant effect, yeah. you know, where they, they get too much too soon, or the David Bentley effect, if you will. And before you know it, they're running at bar in Ibiza. So that's the only thing I think you have to be careful of. Like this was old Zellerlem. Yeah, 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 there's another one. Yeah. yeah. But, but for every. I would say what really helps is we've just brought in an under 20, under 18s coach. Yeah. Who's probably working with them week in, week out, who can tell them about biding a time. And yeah. Jack Wilshire. I think that's, we've got the right. I don't know if it's all the way there, but I think there's enough protection at the club to help these young players through. And it, and it's a different world, isn't it? As well, you know, mm. and and you know, not being harsh on Jermaine Pennell, so he grew up in a different world that we're in now. Nowadays, they're all media trained. You know, they all get they all get sort of training on where to be, where to be at what times, or what nightclubs to not go to, and mm. <laughs> how to manage their social media presence, and all these things. It's all done for them now. You know, they're, they're growing up in an era where they will be protected. It's not like the days of Jack and Jermaine where you could just fall out of an East End club at 3am and be photographed in the paper the next day. So I do like I do get it and I do think that he will be protected to a certain degree. But for me, I think some of these some of these old men that are, that are moaning and groaning about it are just that. They're dinosaurs and they don't really need the airtime. So we will we'll leave them there. Um, just because we've only got the one game to talk about, I do want to do a little bit of general football chat in a second but just before we do um, we should look ahead to what will be the next game after this international break which is the derby Danny first of all do you have any uh, I guess where's your where's your head at on this one because I feel like we can't win here because well hopefully we can but if we if we win the game um, then I feel like there'll be a lot of pressure. I, I, I think if we win this game, there will be people who will say, not just Arsenal fans, but the media in general will say, right, we have to be taken seriously as title contenders. We can't really you know, play it down anymore, however ludicrous that may sound in bloody October. And then if we lose, there will be this once again, oh, they've played somebody decent and it's all gone wrong, etc. and so on, and, and Spurs are the second coming of, of the, the Lord himself. Where's your mind at? Are you are you quite confident going into it, or are you much like me, where it's like it's that game you you can never ever enjoy until you've either won it or the game's done. I usually hate playing those scumbags at the best of times, but when they've added Rickolson, who is the uh, one of the most uh, cuntiest players there are in the Premier League, you've now got three diving, cheating, snidey, nasty bastards playing for them. And everybody who's a neutral will hate all three of them because they're all scumbags, and that worries me. Plus, you've got their manager who is a um, is an old wily fox when it comes to doing these sort of things. But it's twelve thirty kickoff at our place. Uh, if we get a draw out of it, I'll be happy. We always want a win, but uh, I hate these games. I used to like them when they were shit, and now it's you expect Spurs with the players they've got 
to not be as good as they are. And that's the thing that worries me because you can see that, that they're, they're winning games where, they, where they're not being very good and they're fluking stuff. And I'm not sure how they're doing that. We are playing the beautiful game. We are playing entertaining, attacking, creative football. Everyone's all together. But then you look at the, what Spurs are doing. I'm just hoping that a big job's going to come up soon and then he's going he's gonna to bugger off and go and manage another team because as soon as he leaves that club, he's the most important thing at the club. I mean, we saw last season where Kane had stopped scoring goals. We've seen at the moment where Son hadn't scored anything and now he's the new messiah because he's spanked in three fluky goals against the worst team in the Premier League. Um, so hopefully for the international football, so they're going to go away and get injured. There's a, they're saying that Lloris might not be playing, but that's just the usual playing games of us. I'm worried about it because they've got what it takes to beat us. And plus VAR has still been shown that it's not good enough. And the referees aren't interpreting it properly. And they're just a jammy club. And uh, I'm thinking, uh, I'd like to get this fixture out of the way, but I don't want it to get out of the way at the expense of us getting beaten at home by them scumbags. So a whole load of things I'm thinking about. And it's just, um, I'm looking forward to it. And I'm also dreading it. Mm, yeah, that's fair enough. Where, where do you stand, Josh? Because, I, you know, I keep, I keep seeing oh, a lot of different different not just general football podcasts but but arsenal podcasts as well almost grudgingly going oh yeah but they are quite good aren't they and i just don't see it i think they're shite i really do like genuinely i think they've they've got they've got three they are they've they've got three on their day very upper average players at best and they've got some absolutely abysmal players they've got players that Conte didn't even want there which is hilarious and and I think I think they're winging it, and I, I I genuinely think people have been banging on to us about you know oh you haven't really played anybody, they've I think they they played Man City haven't they? Other than that, look at their fixtures. I don't think they particularly played you know any huge fixtures either, and I'm just not impressed with them. So I'd really really like to shut them up. Where where do you stand on this in this particular game? Yeah, I mean, uh, are they going to have a manager? By the point of this game, just gonna oh. throw that one out there. Are we, are we are we talking about Juventus here, or maybe? Um, yeah. I may, I may, make, um, I may secretly follow some Spurs fans and um, or some Spurs <laughs> titles just to see what's going on on the other side of the fence. And, they worry, um, don't they? Let's just say, um, yeah, there's a. Um, it's either. Conte or his agent is putting putting feelers out there, should we say? Um, he only signed an eighteen month deal. He said the compensation yeah. isn't even going to be that much. Well, yeah. he, he was going to um, walk in the summer until they gave him the players he asked for, wasn't he? He, he was mm. gone basically. So, yeah. Yeah. and I mean, how many of those players are on loan from Juventus so he can just recall them when he gets over there in Turin? <laughs> <Good> Sorry, <point. laughs> um, but yeah, I think there's. I would have to say, they have been lucky. I think we've been lucky in some places, but I haven't seen them. Um, yeah, I haven't seen them blow away a team like we did with um, Brentford. And before anybody goes and talks about Leicester, that team might as well be made of 11 chocolate teapots at the moment. Um, I am not taking any credit from Son coming on in half an hour, scoring a hat-trick against them, because you know who their goalkeeper is? Danny Ward. (laughs) He's so bad, isn't he? He's you thought so if bad. anybody has not seen Leicester play this season, imagine imagine Runnison, but he's just been hit by a bus. Not 
in the recovery stages, literally just then been hit by a bus. And he's, he's still the Wales going... number one, though, isn't he? <laughs> uh, I thought Wayne yeah, Hennessy was. Wasn't it he might or? be Wayne Hennessy. It depends if he's still reading up about the Nazis. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, but. He is a terrible goalkeeper. I saw him at Brighton. Um, 22 they goals they've let in in seven games. Oh, and he has probably been at fault for at least 23 <laughs> of those goals. Uh, he's that bad. He's that bad. He's already conceded a goal. Uh, they might as well start 1-0 down. He's that bad. Um, yeah, it's they're in a difficult place. So I'm not going to give them too much credit for... Yeah, um, that six-two win uh, coming back from behind as well. Uh, you can see it against that that Leicester side as well. That's and they a big issue, but and they could have yeah. lost that game, couldn't they? That's the other oh. thing. I, I actually thought going mm. forward, I thought James Madison. I know he gets a lot of, I know he's a bit of a divisive figure, but he's he's a he's a pair of a player to watch when mm. he you know when he's in in form. His interview afterwards, I thought was actually very honest, and he was like, "Well, to be honest, I didn't actually think we played very, you know, didn't think we played badly." They had a lot mm. of chances, and and they had a good chance to get back level. I think at so when they were two one down, was it, it was two mm. one down? Um, yeah. So I mean, you know, on another day, if they take their chances, they could be two three two up at that point, and you know, Spurs don't come away with anything. I, I just even like you said, you follow Spurs fans. I I can't sully my timeline. <laughs> I think I've got two, um, and that's only because they they have podcasts and they just happen to be Spurs fans, but. Um, so I'm always a bit careful what I tweet, so I don't want to upset anybody. No, I'm not. But uh, even they are sort of saying, you know, we're we're quite good, but we're not. Just just go and look at the timeline after that Sporting Lisbon game. There's mm. a lot of Spurs fans that are not happy with the way they're playing, and they don't believe in no. what's going on. So, you know, make of that what you will. Um, and as, I, as for this, everyone's got to love Son mm. again. That makes me fucking sick. I think it's thing. a... Um... It's a big thing, like the last two North London derbies we've played, um, maybe not the Nuno one actually, but the one the season before as well, all the Arteta North London derbies have all seemed to be about if we turn up and we do what we know we can do, three points is there for us, irrespective. Mm. Um, I Yeah, I think there's definitely um option for us. It's that kind of annoyance of we all know that form goes out the window and we hate, I hate using that cliche, but it is kind of that logic just does disappear when it comes around to North London Derby day. And I still back us for it because of everything I've said, we, we managed to nullify an incredibly organized counter-attacking team in Brentford. And mm. um, we were one thing that was interesting actually hearing the commentators in that game talking about, how against Man United that maybe we jumped the shark a little bit with our substitutions, but generally that performance was not a three, one loss performance. No. There was a lots of positives there. So I think there is that, um, yeah, we can do well against counterattacking side and yeah. Um, if Mbappe can deal, oh, sorry, if Saliba can deal with Mbappe, I'm sure he can deal with Son and Kane. Uh, mm. The player looking that, forward to... yeah, the one I'm I'd quite look looking forward to seeing is... that that moment of like Saliba mm. standing over Harry Kane, like that famous image of was it Mata Saka standing Socrates. over Socrates, as well, of course. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's that kind of one. The one player that um, it's annoying because he is just now tainted with Spurs uh, now that he's signed for them permanently. But Kulusevski, mm. that's the player that can change it for them. But 
I mean, uh, hopefully Katie and uh, Sinchenko make it through their game and don't kick each other up in the air as they're <laughs> playing at the moment. But um, yeah, I think a solid left back and we'll be fine for the game. Yeah. How many how many games recently have you watched like the Brentford one and gone? There's not a single thing to moan about that we did. We didn't have one bit of bad play. You didn't look at any play and go, oh, for God's sake, why have you done that, you moron? Nothing. Just almost not, a perfect game. Not only that, but the the, mm. the comfort element as well. I, I, I was chatting to, to Steph about it the other day, and, and she agreed with me, and we were discussing the um, thought process of how many games have, you, have we played, not just in the last season, but the last sort of three, four, five years, where... You'd even go one nil up and go, oh yeah, but it's Arsenal. We're going to do something Arsenal-y and it'll all end in, in Arsenalness and oh gob, like you know, you genuinely panicked every time a team attacked you. There was at no point, even at nil nil, at no point in that Brentford game did I sit there and think, oh, we're not winning this game. I was always confident that we we would win the game. And at one nil up, I didn't sit there thinking, oh god, but what if? Um, and even even in that Man United defeat, at no point did I ever sit there and think, oh god. We're we're under the cost here, and yet we still, we lost the game three one. So think, there is there is an element of control in this team. It seems anyway to me. Yeah, when I spoke to people who don't aren't Arsenal fans, and we spoke about the game, I said, "Wasn't it a boring game if you're a neutral? Yeah. Because there was no jeopardy in it. As soon as, as soon as went two 0 up, that's it. You just knew that was kind of done, and it's not something you've seen." Uh, a team do well it's probably when we were talking about you know Pep's Man City you know when yeah. they'd have those games you're like oh so boring to watch as a neutral because they just sit in second gear and they churn out a 2-0 and you're like great that's 90 minutes of my life I'm never going to get back yeah there yeah. was some nice interplay but yeah it felt like that but from a perspective of we're actually supporting the team that's doing that like a relentless machine yeah and that won't stop yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I, 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 I'm sort of, I'm tentative about the the game, but I'm also fairly confident. And I have a really annoying buzz in my speakers, which I need to sort out in a, in a second. Um, just one other thing, uh, just before we take some questions, I just wanted to get both of your opinions or thoughts on what's going on in in Spain this week, because there's a there's a lot going on in. We saw Gabriel Jesus' celebration in in uh, sort of support for his his colleague in Vinicius Junior. And, and most people will know what's going on, but for those who, who don't, he he's obviously Brazilian. Most of his goals that he scores involve dancing, um, a sort of samba style. So it's an expression thing. Um, and he does have that sort of Neymar quality about him where he, you know, he, he likes to take the piss a bit. You know, he, he likes to ex- sort of, display his skills shall we say and, and and can be a bit provocative there was this kind of uh misquote i guess on el Cheringuita where the, the the pundit i think it was a former agent was sort of saying you know he, he shouldn't play the monkey and that this argument was that he was not calling him a monkey he was saying that's a saying you know don't play the monkey which I, I have heard the phrase myself it is a phrase maybe caught in translation but there, there was a there's a big suggestion that there's a very big racism problem in in spain particularly with atletico madrid fans whether that's fair or not i don't know not well versed in that but um i just want to get both of your thoughts on it like josh do you do you feel like this is something that we we have had it in the uk haven't we we had the sterling thing at chelsea 
we, we've had the, the Aubameyang banana peel thing. I guess the question I would ask you is, is there, um, there's no, there's no place for racism. We know that that's not even up for debate, but do you think that the original point was, was lost in translation here before it got to this horrid abuse that he's taken in that players have a responsibility of how they conduct themselves on the pitch and just to be completely crystal clear here, I am not saying that if you do a rainbow rainbow flick, you deserve racism. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that is there has this argument almost been lost because it's now gone to a race issue, which we know clearly is wrong. Um, I don't know. I can't say that. However, the phrase is phrased in Spanish. I'm presuming he said it in Spanish. How that may have been picked up. Um, yeah, I don't know. In terms of if you said, um, you know, monkeying around as a um, phrase, turn of phrase in English, how that would be perceived. So I can't necessarily jump on that. What certainly doesn't help is Atletico Madrid fans turning up with monkeys in the um, <laughs> in Real Madrid kits. Uh, that probably doesn't help support any shaky ground the agent was already on as if we weren't sure yeah as if you weren't sure that was more or less confirmed or didn't help any argument that the guy was trying to have that what he was saying was not in any way had any racist connotations behind it um but yeah there's very there's other ways of saying what he was trying to say stop messing around basically um yeah, be more mature. There's other ways of saying what he wanted to say rather than necessarily using that turn of phrase. Um, and I can't say because I am not in the right position to have taken any offence if someone said that to me. But then, mm. yeah. Um, it's it's difficult to, for me to really talk about. So I would say that, yeah, as I kind of said the point, that however anyone took it, some people clearly pushed it in a racist way when they turned up. And I think there was at some point someone was looking for sympathy for Atletico fans who were beaten up for turning up with monkeys in Real Madrid um, jerseys mm-hmm. for their, um, I should say, they weren't actual monkeys. They were stuffed monkeys. Yeah, um, as in stuffed toy monkeys, again, not dead monkeys that have been <laughs> stuffed. What a world we live in. I have to clarifying <laughs> re-clarify what kind of someone took a stuffed toy it was a monkey and it was they killed a monkey and stuffed it bastards. <laughs> and, they got, and they got beaten up for it uh rightly so so yeah i think it's one of those that some people will take any phrase and run with it in the direction they want to run with it mm. um, yeah I, I i do agree and i appreciate i've sort of sprung it on you mm. i was just curious and mm. I, I guess the the other maybe a slightly different um line of subject but on the same lines Danny is when you you talk about how the world is obviously it's a different place now you know you can't say certain things you can't do certain things in any context now without offending somebody that's just how it is um I I saw now and you know I tweeted about this I've got absolutely no shame in in saying I find this new thing that Sky are pushing um which again nothing to do with racism this is more to do with sort of freedom of speech I suppose um but you can't say man of the match anymore. It's player of the game. Um, not in my fucking house, it isn't. Absolute bullshit. Like, I, I cannot understand. And you t- and you talk to people who follow the, the women's game or, or women who play the women's game, 
none of them have an issue with this. What when when did this come about? Like we we live in this world now where you know people have to be so careful about everything they say. And I, I saw that genuinely it passed me by. And all the pundits are saying, you know, player of the game because and it's all because of this the Sunes stuff that happened a few weeks ago about man's game, etc. Like it's it's quite sad, isn't it, that that you have to be it's almost at the point like where you can't celebrate a goal before VAR has come in. You now have to, it's almost, I find myself sometimes I'll, I'll be writing a tweet about a live game and giving an opinion on a player and thinking, I'm going to quickly read that back and make sure I haven't said anything. Do you know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's nuts, isn't it? And, and what, I don't know. Did you even know about this man of the match thing? Did you hear about this? Oh, only because our Nick was talking about it in the group and, it's just like everything else in life. It's uh, it's like someone said something about uh, ginger people, and then Josh going, huh. but then someone who isn't ginger will go, oh, I find that extremely offensive, or or people sticking up for people in chairs and going, well, I think that's no. How about shh, 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 shh. how about you shut the fuck up? <laughs> if I've got a problem with it, I will let them know. And as for the the Atletico Madrid thing, we're talking about a country that thinks bullfighting is okay. That's all I've got to say on that. If they think in um, putting uh, not dead monkeys in shirts is the biggest problem in that country, <laughs> then uh, no. Have a look at bullfighting, you horrendous, evil bastards. But this, uh, like, remember when Venezuelan John did a pod with us? He said, uh, "Oh, do we? Oh, um, Spanish people? Do we call them Hispanic? That we don't, do we? Because that is South Americans." But I remember when he was talking about Hispanic people, and he was some of the things that he was saying about the old. Um, when uh, old Whitey Bollocks was being racist, he he, he said that uh, one of his one of his nans is is black and one of them isn't. And the word that he calls his nan, if you use that word here, you'd be shut down. But he said that's that's what we all call her. That's that's what we that's what we call people uh, of that shading. And he said you can't look through the Hispanic people and the way they do stuff with the, with European eyes. I think it was something like that. Which is you can't do that. It's a completely different culture. And I don't know if a certain percentage of that is the same with looking at Spanish people and the way they do stuff. But but with your other point, it's just people looking. I mean, I know some of, some of Sean's friends have now gone into advertising and these people, I wouldn't let them open a tin of beans. They've been looking, oh, I've got an idea. Oh, please, sir. Uh, I've got an idea. How about um, snails should have dog leads and stop them pooing on people's gardens? And they go, oh, well, that's a good idea. Yeah, people who own snails, they, they'd agree with that. And you're going, oh, fucking hell. How about there's more important things in the world to worry about than, um, than whether you're going to call someone man of the match or call it woman of the match? But uh, I think they should be calling it woman of the match, not man of the match. But well, again, it's okay. It's not me. Well, I would say I'm, I'm glad we've spent five minutes discussing that as well. <laughs> something, something that we really shouldn't spend five minutes talking yeah, about. Care. From my <laughs> perspective, I don't care. Somebody um, told me that apparently the reason they can't say man of the match is because of the sort of the the um, uh, what's the what's the word? But non-binary sort of thing. So in other words, if no, oh, that's if, another fucking pot. Oh, if, yeah, shit. let's not go there. But but let, let's say, for example, Bukayo Saka scores the winner and then comes out after the game and says, well, actually, actually, it's Christina Saka now, so you'll address me as I should. Well, then he can't play for Arsenal men's team. So the whole fucking argument's stupid anyway, isn't it? Because if somebody does identify as a female, they couldn't play in the men's Premier League team anyway. Am I right? Give it like, time. Well, I mean, yeah, and that may well happen someday. And I'm not, again, I'm not saying I mean, that I'm I against would it, say, but the rules now are it's I, I, men's and women's I would say, 
it does align with manager of the month using the title of the person rather yeah, than yeah. being yeah. man of the month. Man of the yeah. month. We don't do man of the month. Man, man of the month. That's we don't whole... do man of the month. That's in FHM, do... isn't it? Is that yeah. Kind of uh, I think that's very different. But anyway, um, yeah, it's now manager of the month and player or manager of the match. We could have that. And yeah, I feel like I prefer my conspiracy theory of why they changed it from man of the match to player of the match. And that's because Mike Dean and co spent most of the games trying to win that award and were getting annoyed they were never up for the actual award. So they had to change it because they're all thick as pig shit. And uh, yeah, they had to change it to player. So the referees really, really understood they couldn't win that award and stopped trying to win games for other teams. It's a, it's a batshit world we live yeah. in, isn't it? And uh, when, when we live in a world where where Ezra Miller can identify as a unicorn, I mean... Oh, now that is one I'd give it. I'd give that a go. Well, there you go. Do you get free I mean, raindrops? I, and, and by the way, he is batshit crazy. Um, let's Does move on. Has he done a Flash get... film? Uh, we, yeah, he won't be doing any more films based upon his <laughs> his recent his recent. I shouldn't laugh. Um, He's having a yeah. right old time of it. <laughs> he he is a scumbag. Anyway, uh, that's enough of him. But no, I just I, and 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 just again, just for the record, to draw a line under it. If Vinicius Junior wants to dance, I say fucking fair play to him. Like you know, if you the the game is about moments, it's about enjoyment, it's about fun, it's about having that ability to showcase your talents and. Don't get me wrong, for for all the people that Neymar rubs up the wrong way, and he does, he's a beautiful footballer to watch when he's when he's in his pomp, and it's the same with Vinicius and any of the Brazilian players. Um, personally, if I was a right back and somebody did a rainbow flick over me, I'd put them in the fucking edge because I can't stand it. But that doesn't mean <laughs> if you could if you could get if close could to them, them. Exactly. if you could get close to them. Exactly. Uh, and as somebody who enjoys watching samba football. I want to see players taking the piss out of other players who aren't good enough. We, yeah, there's well, not enough Neymars in this world. There you um, go. And yeah. and that's the beauty of the world we live in, isn't it? Everyone can have that sort of opinion on how they want the game to be played. And and that's just the old man in me coming out. And as you rightly say, I, I you know, it's just because I'm not very good. <laughs> but um, but no, we, we, we as a podcast stand with you, Vinny. You want to dance, my friend? You dance, and uh, I think the only thing that was a shame was that he didn't score in that game. So he could have, I mean, he could have like fully windmilled around the pitch, couldn't he? Just giving it beans like that would have been brilliant. But anywho, um, right, let's take a couple of questions that will probably be more Arsenal related. Uh, Danny, do we have a couple? We have. Um, I'll read this one because uh, uh, it is from Josh Robinson. Josh Robinson. 87 on Twitter. Who's your back four for the Spurs game? Same as it was the other day. I think so. I think, yeah. Um, I guess the yeah. only argument is if Zinchenko's fit, do you bring him in over Kieratini? But I, I don't think you do right now. No. Based on what we've seen of Arteta and loyalty, and if you've got the shirt, you earn it, etc. And this is assuming we get no more injuries during the international break, where about twenty of our players will probably come back with limbs missing and God knows what else. So, I think it's about the game, isn't it? You want a relentless left back at for the first sixty minutes, and then you want a bit of control and discipline mm. for the uh, for the remaining thirty. If we're in a position where you know we've got a lead, and we need to hold on to it. I think I think as long as Tierney is you know is doing what he's been doing when he's come into the side this year and not bombed on too much, I don't really see it being a problem. Um, I don't see any reason to not have Ben White 
as the fullback again. I think he's done a fine job in that position. The centre backs for me, you, you leave them exactly as they are because they're absolutely fine. Um, goalkeeper picks himself. So yeah, I, I don't. I personally wouldn't change it. I think that game's going to be won and lost in midfield anyway. So um, yeah, I, I don't think you change it. I think the only thing you could maybe do is you could maybe bring if uh, if Erdegaard is still not fit. You could argue that you could bring in Zinchenko into a sort of a more defensive midfield and not play with a ten. Maybe you could bring him in, you know, to sit with Party and Jacker and not have a ten, but. I, I don't. I just, I, I, we're at home, you know. We, the onus is on us to take the game to them. So I'd keep it as it is, personally. Um, okay. Next question. Mm. Now this is from. I'm gonna have a go at your first name, Tejazwi. Mm, there's a few silent letters in there, I bet. Uh, guys, Arteta made a very important point against United loss he said we needed to be braver lesser teams can be beaten with our skill and organisation the derby will demand demand relentlessness though your thoughts Josh Uh, yeah I agree in terms of what I was just saying about our left backs as well Um, that we've got players who can do um, different things in terms of how we want to play the game what I don't want us to do, though, is be so relentless. It kind of goes into that bit of chaos where we lose control of the game, um, which can happen. Uh, there's you know, managers that build entire philosophies on making sure the game is so unstable that they can capitalise in that point because both teams just lose all of their shape. I think that's where I want to make sure that we have got a little bit more control to it. And I think in terms of being braver, I think that's making sure that uh, a bit of a saying that we take the opportunities when they come and always trust that the next chance will present itself a bit like Vieira as well with his goal. I was saying you can see that there's players that are taking opportunities when the opportunity presents itself, even at a half chance, they're going to have a go and they back themselves to knock it into the corner. And I think that's the thing for us is we've got some great um, players and hopefully um, we put in such a performance that any good will that Eric Dyer has got from um, this international break being back in the England setup is completely ruined and he doesn't mm. go to the World Cup because I would like England to um, do quite well there, which won't happen if Eric Dyer's in the midfield. Or How are you, Chris? Defense. I wouldn't like England to do very well. Fuck England. <laughs> sorry what what sorry i i don't know i don't know don't i wish england all the best uh god bless them in their cardboard cutout manager um hmm, yes uh i've had nothing to add to that by the way i know the questions for josh so uh, continue danny continue right next question is gonna be get rid of that one from gary um will brazil have zero one two or three arsenal players with them in november if so who Chris, mm. I, don't, I don't know oh, if Gary's Josh, new. By Josh the way. is saying three for people at home and on the bus. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I don't know if Gary's new. I haven't seen Gary in in the chat before. So if if you are new, Gary, welcome. We'll look after Gary's you. Gary's done shows with us. Oh, is he? Oh, I just didn't yeah. recognise the uh, the name or the DWTT. So apologies, ah, Gary. Don't waste the tweet. Is what that stands for. Ah, clever. Well, anyway, he's one of our American listeners got his own youtube channel and he's a very nice man well good evening to you gary i apologize sir i apologize um but to answer your question i'm with josh actually on this one i think all three will go 
Um, what I will say is if Martinelli doesn't go and that fraud Anthony does, um, I'll eat my hat because uh, the man's a dog. Um, yeah, I, I think I think Gabriel Jesus is a lock. I feel like Gabriel Magalhaes will be. Well, I mean, he is one of the better defenders they've got. Um, I, I don't think there'll be an issue with him. This is all assuming they'll be fit, of course. I think the only one there is a doubt over is is Martinelli, uh, and I guess it just depends on what sort of what forwards Brazil take because they've got quite a lot of wide forwards, haven't they? They haven't got too many centre forwards, and even Neymar's playing as the as the false nine with them. I don't think Firmino will go, which I think will help Martinelli. But it it seems it sounds like they're going to take three of Richarlison <coughs> fraud. Uh, Anthony, um, Rodrigo, Real Madrid, or Martinelli, because it, it it seems a lot that the who's the other one I'm trying to think of? Oh, Rafinha, he will go. So, yeah, I I think we'll see three, but and I'd be really gutted if Martinelli didn't go because I think I think low key he's actually been probably equal best our best player this season. I think he's been so good. I'm, I love him to bits. Yeah, Josh, do you want to have a quick thing on that? Because you were waving your hand in the air like you just don't care. Yeah, they're all going. Um, there was a very good reason, if anybody does some research, which um, I've already had a go at a lot of uh, mainstream pundits, of why our three Brazilians have not gone. And that is because the manager of Brazil already knows that they are going to the World Cup. He is experimenting in this thing to work out if there's any other players who will make the squad. He already knows what he's getting with uh, the three Gabriels. Um, so, yeah, I'm expecting them to be there and probably expecting Gabriel to line up with Ed Minotau in defence. And then, yeah, Martinelli will be there. He may not start for them, but he'll be in that squad. There's what a, a player to have come off the bench if needed. There's a centre forward, isn't there, who plays for I want to say Flamenco. I could be wrong, but there or is it Palmeiras? There's there's a guy who's still playing in Brazil. Uh, I, I'm sure it's the guy who used to play in Italy. Oh, Gabriel. Gabi Gold. No, 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 not not Gabi Gold. No, I think it's Jao Pedro. I'm, I'm sure he was at Fiorentina or Cagliari yes. or something like that. Pedro he's gone got back into to the, Brazil. He yeah, got into he, the early. Um, that's it. Brazil squads last season. That's the guy. So I wonder. The if one who's about forty, yeah. isn't he? He's not forty. He's about twenty-eight. But he he's, about just got, he's, yeah. he's mid twenties. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there's talk of him going as as the other centre forward. But they they seem to play Neymar as the false nine with two wide, very pushed on mm. forwards. So like you say, I don't think Martinelli would start. And the irony of that would be that Jesus will probably end up playing wide, if indeed he starts. But yeah, I just I, I hope they all I hope they all go because it'll give them a massive boost coming back as well. So um, yeah, and, and I, I was am I right in saying that there's there's talk that they're going to take? I think they they're even still considering Danny Alves as one of their defensive options because they haven't got any fullbacks. Is he in got, Mexico now? They've only got yeah, playing really badly as well. Aren't they? They've only got Danilo, haven't they? As a right back. The Uva, yeah, and, and they've got. Um, it's, Lottie and Tellers. Tellers, yeah. On the other side. Yeah. You've always got the Man United twins that played fullbacks at a Brazilian. <laughs> Raphael. Are they still in France? Are they all still Nantes. in France, those two? Uh, one is, yeah. Raphael's still at Nantes. He got he got sent off um a few weeks ago. Is it, is it Raphael or is he other other one at Cardiff or something? One they, of them was he, at Cardiff. He was in the lower league. Was, hang on, what are they called? Raphael and what's the other one called? Uh, 
Um, Donatello. Fabio. <laughs> Fabio, yeah. Uh, uh, which one is it? Nant? God, that's thrown me. I think it's Raphael. Just be careful Fabio? saying that team around, uh, saying that team name. <laughs> Otherwise, everyone will think that they don't sweat in a Pizza Express. <laughs> Good evening, Your Majesty. Um, yeah, I, I think I think it's Fabio who's still at Nantes. I'm having to check. Yes, it is. It is Fabio. Sorry, so Raphael. I don't know where Raphael is. I don't really care to be honest. Um, but yeah, uh, he he is still at Nantes. And yeah, Danilo. Who uh, is Alexandro still knocking around at Juventus as well? Yeah, he's, he's left there. back, isn't he? Yeah, and and I saw recently in the press, Marcelo going to Olympiacos. Yeah, he, he's not going to get back in. They'll 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 end up with David Luiz at centre back alongside <laughs> Duda and Jarzinho and probably Cafu, and and it will all be fine. Um, but yeah, in attack they are they're pretty bloody good, aren't they? To be fair. Anywho, uh, any other questions, Danny? Wait for a Brazilian tangent there. Yeah. Right, a quick question on I want a, a rating out of 10 and a one-word answer. Start with you, Chris, from Arnie Arneson in... I think he's in Iceland. I'm sure he is. My mum went to Iceland. Got, what did um, you bring back? Uh, oh, ices. The cold. Uh, what do you think of England's first kit? He says actually, kit. I'm sure he means kit. I actually don't mind it, to be fair. I think well, the away kit's shit. hideous. I think the away kit's hideous. What, why have they put a, a light blue badge on a red kit? It looks stupid. Um, but no, I, I quite like the home kit, to be fair. Um, team shit, but yeah, the kit's all right. <laughs> Give it a rating out of 10. I, it's a solid seven. It's not like, you know, and it's because it, imagine being a Leeds fan. Oh, what's our new home kit like, lads? It's white. White? Oh, ah, cool. Great. It's like the last like, one. Every, yeah, every year <laughs> it's just you what we got to work Well, Leeds used to be blue and yellow, didn't it, until they played Real Madrid and then they changed it to yeah. white. True that, true that. But yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think uh, I, I, the thing I hate about all of the night kits, including the France one, is this stupid sort of semicircle thing they've got going around. I don't like that at all. I think that looks really shite. Um, and for the record, I think the France away kit's far better than the home one, so I'm not completely biased. But uh, I'd say it's a solid 7 out of 10. The Pima kit, by the way, are hideous. Um... Oh. Yeah, I'm not too bothered by it. Um, I know Ireland. Are you going to buy livid. it? Was livid? No. Um, I will continue. I've, I've basically, I've already England have already peaked with the best kit that they made, uh, and it was one of the Lioness kits from about four seasons ago. Um, so yeah, there's there's no beating that kit. Um, so yeah, um, it is as Mr. Bob Lex puts, it is a little bit um, Spurs training kit. Mm. Mm -hmm. uh, but it is a night template they all look like spurs training kits the the um, women's kits were really nice weren't they the year is like mm. the france one was amazing but yeah they, yeah they were they were because they were extra spicy they had like spe special designs and stuff didn't they and i quite like them but um, yeah i'm assuming they're only doing a limited run on the france world cup kits because they probably will get there and leave very quickly once they all fall out with each other actually it is probably going to go that way to be fair <laughs> i know uh, there was there was no joking about that it is no, we, we, happening. they've started especially early this year us, us france fans have some concerns over this world cup i think it's fair to say um and the uh i was going to say on kits something i was going to say on kits we've so seen the holland one where it's orange everything's yeah. orange everything's orange Fuck yeah the um like yeah, the, wearing that kit the 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 uh the the kits templates this year they are a bit um they're a bit out there some of them like I say these puma ones where they've got this massive kind of 
thing with the number sits in. It's like a big crest around the number. Oh, it looks <laughs> like they're they really. Suppose they can't be too flamboyant in case the uh, Qataris get the wrong idea and uh, well, that's, throw you in jail. That's, that's also true, and that's what I was going to say. I know, I know, our Jeff, uh, evening Jeff, um, is very disappointed, as are a lot of Canadians, in the fact that they've just got uh, a re-release of their standard team wear template. First World Cup in was it thirty-six years for Canada, mm. and they've just been given the bog standard team wear kits with the Canadian crest on, which is a bit sad. So, yeah. Sad times, sad times. But anyway, you know, in literally what two months from now, we'll be in the middle of a World Cup, which is a bit weird, isn't it? Don't know how we'll I feel know about that. As sure as eggs are eggs, that the best kits are going to be African because they they embrace the kits and what people want and being a little bit flamboyant. They're not going to go, yeah, our okay, kit's going to be one color. No, they're going to go, let's go crazy. Let's and go they're nuts. all going to be, you know, they're going to be uh, magnificent. The Belgian one's quite funky. It's got like fire down the sleeves, and and the Argentine away purple one is a bit bit special as well. So, anyway. next question for you, Chris. While our Jeff is in the top right corner, looking at you befuddled, I haven't sent him a message in ages. Is he all right? Yeah, I, I literally messaged him two minutes ago. I'll piss off. I'm gonna send him a <laughs> ten minute WhatsApp message. Uh, Ron Reed says, uh, 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 "What position?" Thank you. Um, player, should we be our next signing, Josh? Should we worry that we may stop a certain young player's development if we make a big signing? Um, oh, what position is I think the obvious one is the one that's being currently held by one of the oldest players in the squad. I think there's two opportunities, actually, now thinking about it, and they're both in central midfield. Um, it depends on, I think, how Sambi comes along this season for whether or not he cements himself as an eight or a six. Um, I think obviously an injury has led to him being uh, going back to a six, although he spent the entirety of preseason playing him further up the field. But basically, the short answer is, whichever position Sambi doesn't take, we need to get someone else to cover the other position. So that's either an upgrade to Jacques or Partey. Oh, Chris, do you care about this? Of course you do. Uh, yeah, I, I, I care, but I think Josh is, is spot on that centre midfield area. The uh, the um, I was going to say David Luiz then the uh, the um, what's the villa guy called Douglas, <laughs> Douglas Luiz thank you the Douglas Luiz position um, I still got a sneaking suspicion we might that the Tielemans thing might get resurrected um, in uh, in January I saw he came out the day and said he has no regrets over not leaving and I'm sitting there thinking. Yeah, I think you might be telling a few porkies there. But, uh, yeah, I think I think Leicester might need that ten million pounds so they can fire Brendan. Yeah, and get a goalkeeper potentially, <laughs> or three. But um, yeah, no, I, I yeah, I think I think the, the the holding the field position is still an area. And controversial opinion, I still think we're a centre forward short. I still think I think Balogun will will come back a better player next season. He's had a really good start in, in France at, at Rams and and he's doing a good job there. But I do feel like we we should still be looking at somebody to come in as a, a backup forward, particularly after, you know, people are talking about this, sort of how the squad's settled now. After this World Cup, we, ha we have to remember players are going to have burnout and, and you know, it only takes Jesus to get clattered at the World Cup or, or you know, even the mental aspect, you know, if, if Brazil have a shocker, like Jesus had a really tough World Cup last time when Brazil were out there and it really knocked his confidence when he came back and, and you know, World Cups can make and break uh, players form. We've seen it so many times in the past, where where big 
nations have bad World Cups and their players come back just not quite at the level. Um, so, I mean, that will require our, our board to be across it. And, and you'd imagine they're already putting feeders out there for players that we could be looking at. But, yeah, I mean, you, you, can't, you can't have a squad of 40. You've got to be realistic. But I do think a midfielder and, and potentially a forward would still be on the, the options books if we can get them. Okie dokie. Um, yeah, next question is going to be for, for you, Josh, from Arnie Arneson again. Question, if we buy a 15-year-old boy was man of the match, would it be kid of the match? Uh, it'd be player of the match. Easy peasy. Uh, okay, you've ruined that one. It'd be you, yeah. you to the match, wouldn't it? You to the match. Probably. Could be. Um, Chris, uh, one from Tom Andrew. I think he said he's in Seattle. I don't like Seattle. Fishwives. I'm a Portland fan. Uh, that's not that's not helped the situation. He's brand new to the show and I'm really disrespecting yeah, and, he, his, and he's just left. <laughs> Seattle sounder fishwives. Um, from Tom Andrews says, in addition to Renry's question, should the next signing be a marquee player? Because I suppose you can... Well, Jesus was definitely a marquee player, wasn't he? But he's our first one we've had since party. Mm. Yeah. I don't... I don't... In addition to... Yeah, should the next... No, I, I, I don't, I don't think so. Depends what you class as a marquee player, I suppose. But I, no, I, I don't, because I feel like we've got, we're already in a situation where, like Josh alluded to earlier on, we're, you know, we're leaving out Tomiyasu, we're leaving out one of Zinchenko or, or Tierney, we're, we're potentially going to leave out Fabio Vieira when Erdegaard's fit. You know, Eddie and Kessie signed a new deal and he's only playing when Jesus is rested or in Europe. So. Yeah, I, I don't I don't really think we should. The only caveat to that is if you're bringing in a player who who walks into, you know, if, if a player, an opportunity, as Arsene Wenger used to say, comes up uh, to sign a you know world-class talent that you can get ahead of anybody else, then naturally you have to go and do it. Um, I don't want to go too deep into my French connections here, but have a look at, when you get five minutes, have a look at the amount of players PSG have got available in their midfield now i mean they've literally got eight midfielders that would walk into pretty much any team in europe how the hell they're going to keep all those players happy is anyone's guess so that there isn't a limit to what talent you have but keeping them all happy is a bit difficult so yeah unless you're met with an opportunity to sign a top top quality player a terrific player as harry would say um i don't think you i don't think you do i think you 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 shop in that market of the telemans of the the douglas luises where they do improve your squad. They do add genuine competition, but they don't walk in with a massive ego, with a massive transfer fee, and and maybe a purple dildo in reporter's ear at the time. Hmm. Okay. Next question is uh, from Ah oh, Femi. Chris, why on earth is going what? Hmm. What? I think this is what on earth is going on in France with all these red cards. Prem has four, France has over 50. Is that right? Not quite that many. 34 since the start so of the season. Like to exaggerate at your <laughs> yeah. expense. But, but he has got a point. There, there's a big there's a big hoo-ha going on in France. People will probably have heard Jean-Claude Tadibo, formerly of Barcelona and Toulouse fame, and now playing at Nice, was sent off within nine seconds at the weekend. Um, harshly, it has to be said. Also, uh, Loco at um, uh, Rams was sent off against. Uh, I think it was a, who was it against? Oh, I can't remember who they're playing now, but he was sent off as well for basically passing the ball 
Um, <laughs> it's bizarre. He, he he kind of runs his foot over the ball and the referee deems it as unsporting conduct. And oh my god, it was ridiculous. But yeah, there is a big there is a big thing in France at the moment about why are they having so much or so much attention on the referees' decisions. There is a suggestion that France knows something that other leagues don't and that refereeing is going to change and they're just getting they're getting player or clubs used to the fact that it, this is how it's going to be. I'm not sure I buy into that, to be honest. I just think that some of the standard of refereeing in France is not the best and the VAR use is bordering on ridiculous at times. Some of the penalties that have or haven't been given this season are scandalous. So it's a bit weird. Um, but then I also think it's very weird that the Premier League's only had four red cards because I think there probably could have been quite a few more if we're realistic. That's because Xhaka's not tackling anymore. <laughs> I was just going to say, <laughs> a good thing for Granite. But yeah, it's very, it's very odd. It is very, very strange what's going on at the moment. Okay, right. Arnie's already asked a couple more questions, but we can't be here all night, so we've already answered one for you, Arnie. I think we might have done two for Arnie. Um, okay. So there you go, Chris. I think that's all the questions done. We've been going an hour and thirty-six minutes, which is thirty-six more than you always say. Yes, absolutely. I've got some. Uh, I've got some modding to do for some Twitch people. So modeling, modding, not modeling. Look what you're going to get your pants on. You're going to get yeah. on those silk sheets and get the people disco. to paint you. <laughs> My disco pants. Um, but yes, yes, we will we will draw it to a close there. Uh, upcoming shows, I presume you you well, I mean, do you want to tell our listeners what you want to do at some point, Danny? You've got an idea for the, the interlull that you wanted to I was to, gonna uh, say do. that I thought that was this show. Oh. That's the only reason I said yes. <laughs> it's a good job you didn't think it was like, until now, because you'd have been like, What have we just talked about for an hour and a half? Well, we all know uh, an all-star game is never gonna happen because it's a stupid idea. Um but I thought it'd be good for now that we've got bugger all to do for the next six weeks until they until football comes back. Then we get four, five, or six of us to all do uh, an all star. We pick an all star team. You can only have one player from any team, and so and then we all take it in turns. And so we'll have uh, you have to have eleven different players from eleven different Premier League clubs, but you all, all take it in turns to do to pick a player. And so I'm not sure how we're going to pick who goes first. Probably maybe some some random number generator, and then we'll all assign ourselves a number, and then go from there. But I'd like to get some of the people in that haven't really seen much of this season because they've got kids like Femi has been on holiday, Rich has been on holiday, um, James has been on holiday, um, Chris has not left his room for, for six months, I've not left the house properly since bloody June. So it'd be nice to get five, I think you can have more people on there, maybe have five or six people, Have it'd be a, be a bit of a laugh. So I don't know who's going to do it or when, but maybe next week we'll try and arrange something. And, and that would be good. I should really do a loan update as well because I've not done one of those in a while. We've got 24 players out on loan. Wow. Tino We've gone full Chelsea. Oh, jazz to his mates. Yeah. Yeah, that would be good. So um, other than that, I mean, we've usually got the the Sunday rush. We didn't do one this Sunday because Mike had a jiffy belly because he eats everything he sees. So you probably eat some gravel and, and some dog poo and some leaves or something. But other than that, unless you lot are going to come up with ideas for show, we're going to be quite... Uh, quite Spartan with shows for the next two weeks. No, well, we'll do that. I think it's because the Spurs game is Saturday week, isn't it? So we've got basically ten days to fudge something together. So um, yeah, no, we'll, we'll we'll sort something out. We'll stay tuned. We'll we'll be back, and obviously looking ahead to that, Danny, you'll do a preview show, I presume, with some unsuspecting fellow or or fellow at before the Spurs game. So we should we'll do. do that. I'm not sure whether to do them um, an hour and a half before kickoff or whether we do them the day before. But I think as this is a 12.30 kickoff, I'll be doing it the day before because I'm not going to get up early. And now I've got my um, IPTV to work on my fire stick, so I'm just lounging in bed 
at 40 degrees under my duvet. Splendid business. Um, good stuff. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, uh, that is that for this. Uh, cheap plug, if you like French football, and who doesn't? Uh, go and listen to my other podcast, You Fucks. Um, no, in all seriousness, if you do, if you do like football uh, across the, the channel, um, I do host another podcast, so I'm just going to plug it, because why not? French Football Weekly. Uh, I do once a week with my colleagues over there. So we just recorded an episode yesterday about last weekend's game. So if that interests you, go and have a little look. If it doesn't, no worries. Um, big shout out to the Liverpool fan uh, who popped into the chat earlier on. Um, I'm sure he'll go quiet when Liverpool don't win anything for the next 33 years. And then I'm sure they'll win something and he'll come crawling out again. But uh, good luck to him. Um, but, uh, yeah, thank you all very much for joining us. Those of you in the, in the live chat and, of course, those of you uh, that pop into our Twitch channel as well, which we are on twitch.tv forward slash Wonderland, I think I'm right in saying. And the YouTube channel, of course, if you are watching and we're available on all the usual uh, platforms uh, to download and listen as well. And if you are listening to us and you haven't already, uh, give us a subscribe, a follow, a thumbs up, all of that jazz, because we do appreciate it. And uh, it does get us extra views and all that stuff. So there you go. There you go. So, yeah, if you, if you like it, you know, go for it. If you don't, no worries. Um, but, yes, thank you very, very much for joining us. Much appreciated. Some of the regulars and a couple of new names in there as well. But thank you as always. Josh, thank you very much, sir, for coming on board. That's been great. It wasn't the show I was expecting, but it was a show nevertheless. Uh, and I would say to anyone in the chat box, um, yeah, if they would like to put their nominations for the podcast for the show, we'll be doing the award after the show backstage. And uh, yeah, there'll be a glass of bubbly going around to uh, whoever wins that. I think right now Danny is in the lead with zero. <laughs> and I'll be changing in a separate dressing room because I'm better than everybody else. Because we asked um, you to. Exactly, because I'm not allowed in the big boy dressing room. Uh, and Danny, thank you for being here as always and for stepping in for John, who we wish well. And uh, yeah, thank you for doing your bits and bobs as well. So you just thank you very much, Chris, for just being you. That's all we can ask and that's I all mean, you deliver. I mean, you know, I, I, what can I say? Legendary doesn't even cut it, but you're welcome. Yes. One day, one day, people are going to take it seriously and be like, "Who's that arrogant fuck who presents that podcast?" It's like, no, I, honestly, I, I, I'm just taking the mick, everybody. Which right, outro do you want? Do you want the Stephen Dave, or do you want the Enfield '89? Oh, always Stephen Dave. Always Stephen Dave. Naturally. Uh, right, that's it. We're off. Thank you very much for joining us. As Mr. Bob Black says, remember, tell your kids, tell your family, tell everybody you know. Fuck Ellis. We have been a Burke at Wonderland. Good night, all. As soon as I scored that goal, I was fucking livid. Get down, dog. Splendid business. He nearly caught the bloody thing. What are you talking about? <laughs> so I've just eaten a full quiche. Well, you don't often see them at him. So when you see them in the supermarket, they need to be swagged, microwaved immediately and get the brown sauce on them and bosh, Bob's your uncle. Never in doubt. <laughs>